Years ago in American baseball, they had a team who produced the Flatbush Follies. Everything they touched turned not to gold, but uh, just to brass. And here it comes now, and bang. Well, that's gone straight up in the air. Wall won't drop. There's no way in the world. It's Hello and welcome to the Ball, Bat, Finger and Foot Tampering Podcast. It is the Backhanders where we bring you all the ins and all the outs from this, the greatest game, the game of Ashes Test Cricket. And with me is a man who, due to his proximity in Copenhagen and being much closer to England and because of the vitriol that has come out of this recent test match, well, he comes to us from a bunker. So, Cutters, can you hear us in there? Lightning, great to be with you. I feel more like a war reporter at the moment. There are cars overturned, (laughs) bullet holes in the harbour front, and... I'm warming myself by the recently burnt effigies of Ricky Ponting and Bert Newton, which is an odd choice. I mean, gold logie jealousy is so petty these days, Lightning, but um, it is well and truly a scene right now. And I tell you, the streets here are making Paris of recent days look like a teddy bear's picnic. Uh, And I can only put it down to the fact that Tensions are high at the moment. I loved this game of cricket. I didn't pick up on anything untoward from both teams. I was possibly (laughs) in my usual slightly comatose state of watching test match cricket, whereby I get a little bit of grandpa's cough medicine, put the feet up, mute the commentary, and enjoy a bit of Burt Bacharach whilst counting dots late after midnight lightning and i woke this morning only to read the british news and an expression that i was not familiar with lightning have you heard of this term spirit of the game well if i hadn't cutters i well and truly will have now it has been (laughs) splashed about left right and center and that is of course due to what we've just witnessed because first and foremost we have witnessed another incredible test match one that Australia won by 44 runs, which sounds probably a little bit better than it was really. It was looking ominous cutters when England were about to mow us down. It was looking for all the money as though they were going to perform an incredible fourth innings chase, which would have been a complete record chase. And yet Australia got over the line and are now 2-0 up, 2-0 up in the ashes, which is just incredible. However, cutters... The point you are making, what all the attention is focusing around is a single moment late in the match when Johnny Bairstow was on strike. Alex Carey takes the ball and our friend Johnny just just want to go for a wander, just want to have a walk, just want to have a stroll, just mid-match, mid-ball, just decided to leave the security of his crease to just mosey on up the wicket and lo and behold found that his stumps were knocked over 
and uh, Wicketkeeper did something that he didn't, and that was perform a dismissal. And he was found <laughs> to be out in controversial circumstances, and that has brought in this great phrase of, was it in the spirit of the game? Catters, was it? Absolutely it was, Lightning. More for the fact that I still don't really understand that term and the nuances behind it. For me, it's pretty clear. History will dictate whether you were a W or an L. And in this case, we got the big W, Lightning, and I could not care less how we went about doing it. In fact, all the more power to the Aussies. Someone like Alex Carey, who, let's face it, to put a finer point on it, is a black hole of charisma. And for him to step forward... And take the initiative while our friend Johnny B. <laughs> Johnny Bearhands. <laughs> Johnny Bearhands. While he was just in some sort of Zen like state, enjoying mindfulness out in the middle, wandering along, doing a bit of gardening. I mean, of course, they say as a batter, you need to remain in your bubble. But Johnny, I mean, there's bubbles and then there's bubbles of trouble and you found yourself harnessing your inner gardener and just wandering down perusing the turf completely unaware of what was happening around you and it's not the first time Johnny let's face it we've seen your form you don't exactly have your sausage finger on the pulse and what stunned me about all of this lightning was the fact that the response was so disproportionate to what had happened I mean in my mind You take the advantages when they come. You throw down the stumps if the player is slightly out of their crease. You smuggle that sandpaper down the front of your jocks in spite of the chafing. Whatever it takes, by all means necessary, Lightning. There's nothing explicitly in the rule book that says you can't dress up your substitute fielder, Matt Renshaw, as a clown to coax little Johnny out of his crease, promising candy in his pocket. <laughs> to be honest, I'd find it hard to resist because he makes such an impressive sausage balloon dog, does Matt Renshaw. So. And I didn't appreciate that this pack of elderly geezers that had crammed in... Lowered the capacity by 10% due to them all bringing their adult diapers with them. Resulted in what was a very hostile crowd towards the Aussies lightning. It was like nothing I've ever heard. This is the home of Cricket Cat. It's one of the oldest stadiums in the world and is known for its kind of civility and its good show. And yet they were off their chops. The yelling, the screaming, the vitriol. This was a sound I have not heard from this ground catters. It was incredible. It was lightning. I mean, booing at the home of cricket. It's like starting a Mexican wave at a funeral lightning. I mean, we've all been there and done it, but know your audience. And I can't for the moment sympathize with this English team because Mm. we all know the rules. I think from the moment that you play your first game of backyard cricket, Someone scratches out a line in the grass and says, you stay behind that or else I'll throw your house down. And Johnny, he was confused. I don't know whether this whole cult of baseball has something to do with it, Lightning. Do they have their own rule book? I mean, are there the Ten Commandments of baseball that we're not aware of here? You know, thou shalt not sledge thy neighbors broad. I'm not sure, but... (laughs) It feels like they're playing their own game. 
<laughs> so you've got poor Johnny wondering what the hell has happened to him and his career. Let's not minimize the damage here, Lightning. You've got the argy-bargy coming from the fast bowlers and the captain. Everyone's up in arms. Ricky Ponting's being berated on the sidelines for just being a former Aussie player. The whole thing was going crazy. If you want to sum up the scene, I would say that the spirit of the game was Johnny Walker. Keep walking. <laughs> Johnny Walker, the true spirit of the game. <laughs> and England skipper Andrew Strauss arrived in London proudly showing off the little urn. And Belinda, I just can't understand how something so small can be so impressive. Well, Mark, you would know about that. Thank you very much. Well, it's time for our first segment here on the Backhanders podcast, a segment where we pause and we ask, well, what's appealing? What, what has been grabbing us? What stood out of the incredible second test? So, Cutters, what's appealing for you? Lightning, you know that as much as I like cricket, I love when cricket holds hands with outer forces. I don't want to get too cosmic, you know. I've been reading a lot of Anthony Robbins lately, Lightning, and we can talk about that for an hourly fee in your spare time. What I really want to focus on is the things that happen outside the arena that get cricket fans and the average punter talking at the water cooler. You know, it could be Katy Perry gracing the stage of the Women's World Cup final at a packed MCG through to Salim Malik spot betting in the change rooms before a match. Just these moments where cricket reaches into the mainstream in a grand way. And there's probably no better example than what took place in the first hour of play on day one at the home of Cricket Lords. Phenomenal scenes where a protest broke out. I don't know the details, Lightning, but I'm guessing you know a little bit more about it. Well, allow me to offer you them, Cutters. It was the seventh ball of the test match when three people jumped the fence, climate change protesters, and ran onto the pitch, straight onto the middle, and players had to intervene to prevent them from spraying this orange powder and dust that they'd had as part of their protest. So that that had to be dealt with, uh, Johnny Bairstow being right in the mix of it before the play could resume. Unbelievable lightning. They were emblazoned with oil, I believe. I I think that was a shortened version that they were protesting Oily Robinson's behaviour from the last (laughs) test match. Uh, About time, I would say. (laughs) If I'd sat through the weather that I'd seen for that Ashes test, I too would have wanted a climate change. (laughs) Yeah, it was confusing though, Lightning. I didn't quite know their main point because you also had them shooting off ginger flares, which was a (laughs) well-timed protest towards the English selectors. So I'm not exactly sure what their mixed messaging was all about there. But you rightly mentioned our friend Johnny Bairstow, who's been down on form lately. It was just great to see him finally snag one out in the middle when he grasped one of the protesters in those big bear hands that we had introduced you to first listeners on the previous episode. So he snaffles one, first catch in about three months, I think, and escorted them off to the boundary. And if you trust all the socials, Lightning, I believe it's the first woman he's picked up in about his entire adulthood. So a win-win for Johnny, I would say, on day one. From what I can recall, the rest of the test went well for him as well. So um, just a great effort all round. 
And then following that, you had this incredible moment that you mentioned in the intro of a highly combustible situation where the Aussies Mm -hmm. took a stock standard dismissal. Of course, that scalp was one of a redhead, which was particularly sensitive given the protest that had taken place. And all hell broke loose, Lightning. You've got... The Long Room, which has long been the traditional spot where all of the MCC members can stand and view the players as they enter the ground and leave the ground for each session. It's a coveted, sacred space. And that was desecrated, Lightning, by what took place. You saw the worst of the best of society. (laughs) And by best, I mean the wealthiest, which by default wins me their utmost respect. But the worst being the abuse that them and their butlers were hurling towards the Australian players as they tried to walk to their change rooms. Uh And... I don't know what a collective of butlers is called. Is that a pod of butlers? A murder of butlers? I'm not sure, but... It's a long room of butlers. A long room of butlers. Well, didn't they unleash lightning? I unfortunately couldn't understand what they were saying because it was the purest of Queen's English and we obviously only grew up on a colony on the other side of the planet. But I'm comforted by the fact that the Australian players couldn't understand it either. So Warner a man that's more akin to doing his negotiations with a slab of willow in his hands, as seen in South Africa, and Usman Khawaja, who even tried to defuse things, but it was pointless to try and remonstrate against a flock of Jeeves. Totally. And hearing the footage, Cadiz, you can hear them all going off and going, Oh, dear me, jolly chap, you've (laughs) sullied our good sport. You, my monocle fogged up repeatedly as a result of that incessant behaviour and I could hardly match the wine with my caviar at tea because I was so incensed. How dare you? We ought to have you on the next ship home, old chap. (laughs) Lightning, what did you find appealing? Well, for me, it was, of course, another significant talking point from this test and that was... The short bowling, Mm. it has traditionally been an aspect of the game reserved for an occasional tactic, a short ball thrown in amongst a myriad of well-pitched up balls, hoping to catch the batsman out. But it just went gangbusters, this test, Cutters, and resorted to Bodyline. Bodyline is a very famous series in cricket history from the 1930s when an unbeatable Australian team was facing England and unable to nick them out, to hit the stumps, to get them out caught. They would resort to peppering the batsman with short ball after short ball. And we saw it here in this test match, Cutters. There was a statistic after one of the English bowling days in which 98% of the deliveries (laughs) they bowled were short. Unbelievable. 98%. Ball after ball, there was over 400 bounces bowled in the test match. At one point, towards the end of the match, they put up a statistic that 52 times in the match, a batsman had been hit by a bouncer. The highest in test cricket. And that didn't include any of the MCC members' jumper punches from the long room. So you could add another kind of 20 or 30 to that. So for me, Cutters, I was just absolutely astounded at the approach both teams took in this match. It was amazing, Lightning. And I think something that kind of flew under the radar with all of this was the boredom factor. The fact that you had these players who were just being served up The same delivery, ball after ball, over after over, you know, what felt like day after day lightning. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all been there. You just 
get to day five of a school camp and you want to crack some skulls. And don't quote me on this lightning, but monotony leads to manslaughter. I've always said that. And no greater example than how these batters were going full kamikaze and finding new ways to fall on their respective swords. You had... Guys just hauling out to players all over the field with creatively wacky shots just so that they could get back to the dressing room and scroll TikTok. But the dark side of this lightning was the amount of extras that England hemorrhaged as a result of these tactics. Oh, I know. Well, you know, Kat, I think it was 74 extras conceded by England for the match, which I think only once has England conceded any more than that. And I think it was like in 1934. And significantly aided by the fact that their wicketkeeper is the biggest extra. <laughs> Maybe that was part of it. Maybe uh, Johnny just kept leaving his post and kept running around the outfield looking for uh, some other processes he could snaffle. So <laughs> just kept letting them go through for another four buys. <laughs> I'm looking for easy catches here. I've narrowed it down to the fact that it's got to be bigger than a cricket ball, smaller than a fridge. That's my sweet spot. Catters, it feels as though we are amidst World War III, but let me take you back to the two most important wars before this current world war, and that was, of course, Steve and Mark, our memorable and forgettable war twins. Catters, this segment is about naming our war hero, the person who deserves to be in the ranks of Captain Steve and our war criminal. Those, for varying reasons, uh, need to be associated in the ranks of our match-fixing twin brother, (laughs) Mark. So, Catters, who is your war hero and who is your war criminal? Well, Lightning, my war hero... My honorary tugger is none other than English opener and personally my favourite cast member of Harry Potter, Ben Duckett. (laughs) And our friend Benny, he's proven himself in this test to be what I consider the ultimate team player lightning. Mm -hmm. I think in cricket, and particularly in modern cricket, there's a tendency and a temptation for players to take the selfish route Mm -hmm. and put personal glory ahead of that of the team. And no better examples of this than when you achieve the ultimate triple figures, the ton lightning. Mm -hmm. And I just love the fact that our friend Duckett didn't allow the excitement of being tall enough to get on the ride, that is Lord's (laughs) test match cricket, to interfere with his steely resolve to get to 98 and then find a creative way to doll one up to deep square leg. Or... In the second innings, 83. Again, that temptation to take personal glory, nah, I'll throw away my wicket. And I just think it's a beautiful summation of the essence of cricket, whereby there is no eye in Team Lightning, but there's an eye in Milestone, and it's such a dangerous road to take. And actually, when you take the eye out of Milestone, it kind of sounds like Millstone, which I... uh, (laughs) Yeah. Which is a weight that his fragile, youthful neck can ill afford, Lightning. So I just feel that Ben Duckett, you're almost the Greg Norman of cricket. And we all know how well that story ended. So I wish you all the best, young man. 
And my War Criminal Lightning is another Ben. It's a Ben-themed war tribute here, Lightning, and that is Ben Affleck. (laughs) Making a film about a sports shoe? What were you thinking, Affleck? No, I digress, Lightning. It was none other than Ben Stokes. Oh, Big Ben. Big Ben. For mine, Lightning, he is ruining the fabric of the game. Just seeing him go out there willy-nilly, smacking it to and fro around the boundary was simply not cricket. And I just felt that it was very personal. Every six he hit reminded me of a block of five to ten overs from the Australian second innings. And I didn't like the way that he accelerated that English innings to a level that my tolerance late at night cannot accept. And I just feel, cool your heels, young man. I'm honestly lightning surprised that he didn't get booed for taking so many pot shots at innocent fans in the stands. I mean, sure, it brought about the chant, duck it, duck it, duck it. (laughs) It's very confusing for casual followers of the game. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, think of the children, Lightning. This is a dangerous pursuit that Ben Stokes was taking. And you want to talk about spirit of the game. I mean, it's called manslaughter. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't require the adjudication of a third umpire. So, Lightning, it it was just an ugly look. And fine, you got your 150. As we've established, milestones are petty and selfish. And you ultimately lost the game. So my sympathy has run dry for this man and his comrades. Lightning, and that's why I see him as none other than a match-fixing junior Mark War. (laughs) Well, you built a strong case. uh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Lightning, who's your war hero? Well, my war hero has to be Cutters Nathan Gary, or Gary is is not my real name, Lion, mm. uh, who, for me, we promoted in the last test because it was his hundredth consecutive test. I mean, that is an incredible feat. It ranks him in a list of only five other players. So it's a time when you celebrate a unique achievement of longevity, mm. and in that very test, in which they celebrated his fitness, his capacity to stay on, to keep at it, uh, he ripped the calf off his boat. He completely (laughs) capitulated, self-combusted, on the spot. It felt terribly ironic, Cutters. It felt like a pop singer missing their reunion tour or King Charles having the runs on Coronation Day and not being able to take part. It was just wasn't meant to be that way, Cutters. So, Poor Gary. I mean, we love him on the podcast. And Cutters, to be honest, I wasn't familiar. I wasn't aware of one of the other great rituals that the English roll out whenever someone gets to their 100th consecutive test, the old uh, ritual of the slaying of the fatted calf uh, (laughs) when they uh, take to the calf with a machete midway through the second session. So it's an old, fairly archaic ritual, yet Nathan's now a part of that calf club. So Cutters, it was obviously... Tragic. However, for me, it is not the forlorn image of Nathan Lyon trudging off that field that will stay with me. It's actually the image of him re-entering the field. When we were ahead by 350 in our second innings, Pat Cummins, Captain Pat, says, I know what we'll do. Let's send an invalid out (laughs) back onto the field. Let's put him in a Segway, push him onto the field, watch him hobble, have a laugh, be fun for the whole family. 
cutters, they put Nathan Lyon, who could honestly not walk, they patted him up <laughs> and in what was a very harsh reality, at Lords being an ancient ground, it was three flights of stairs. <laughs> he had to hobble down preemptively because he knew how long it would take him to get out on the field. They had him waiting, standing amongst the aforementioned MCC members, <laughs> copping the abuse, sipping on the old uh, Devonshire tea, yep. and uh, which was a nice little side dish. Absolutely. But then had to stand there waiting to then take the field when the ninth wicket fell and off he trudged. They had to take a quick tea break, just allow enough time for him to get out into the middle, hobbling out with a couple of crutches under each arm. But Cutters, it was an incredible feat. And of course, he put on a very important 15-run partnership with Stark up the other end. And, you know, it's an enduring image that will stay with me of the lion with the calf. Mm. Uh, lamb would have been a bit more poetic, but the lion and the calf <laughs> is the image that will stay with me and become my war hero. It's a cautionary tale, Lightning, the old lion and the calf, and I think we'll be telling it to our children in years to come. <laughs> Along with the famous nursery rhyme, there's a hole in my ducket. And Lightning, <laughs> which of course now is a lot more topical since the Bodyline series. Uh, but Lightning, the likes of Paddy Cummins, who again, I cannot say enough, has really returned to form since I gave him a proper toweling in the last couple of episodes. Him and his cohorts, I felt just pushed our man line a little too hard. You know, don't break it to him. Maths isn't Gaz's strong point. He thinks that those 15 runs were enough to get Australia over the line. But just the insistence that they had to chair him off for his 100th game, only to the sound of both hamstrings pinging off the bone, just made me feel like we were doing a little more damage than good lightning. And I know it's been a sticking point for you, this whole Gary as a nickname. Have no fear, it's been changed to Lion Down, which is all he'll be doing for the next six months. <laughs> Consoled in the fact that he finishes 100 out, which is something Ben Duckett can never aspire to. <laughs> Cutters by uh, War Criminal is, uh, well, to be honest, a fairly... Easy choice. He's seen as a villain in the eyes of all Australians, and that is Stuart Broad, a man who's never recovered from the primary school taunts of, ha ha, you've got a girl's name, <laughs> to get where he's got to today. And to be honest, Gutters, there is a heap I admire about this bloke. I mm. absolutely love his fight. I love his antics. I love his capacity to use the crowd, to put his arms up, to rally a, a seemingly lifeless crowd into action and get them behind him, change a course of a match. It's a clever use of the crowd cutters. Mm. It's a skill not many players use. But for me, it just uh, it went a little far, this test. Cutters, he was the man who followed the controversial Bearstow dismissal. He arrived out fuming, pointing at Alex Carey and telling him, you'll be remembered for this. He wanted them to never forget what they'd just chosen to do as Australians and allow that dismissal to stand. So to make a point to ensure the Aussies wouldn't forget about it, at the end of each over, he would theatrically place his bat back in the crease and look around, check with the umpire, check with each fielder. Is the ball dead? Is the ball? Is this over? Is it over? Is it okay? And of course, the first time it was very funny, Cutters. It was very witty. <laughs> and the second time, Cutters, it was it was quite funny. It was quite witty. 
And the third time, Catters, it was it was it was still funny, Catters. And the fiftieth time, Catters, it was no longer funny, Stuart. You batted for two hours. You had a hundred run partnership, and every freaking over. Look, guys, look what I'm doing. Look how funny I am. I mean, it was time for some new material, Stuart. It was good at the time. It was like hearing a stand up comedian that was like, "So did you hear the one about the?" Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, and uh, did you hear the same one about the... <laughs> and do you want to hear it one more time? <laughs> What's the deal with repetition? Yeah, Lightning, I totally agree. By the end, it was insufferable. It's like, know your place, buddy. You're a cricketer, not a comedian. It's, to me, like starting a Mexican wave at a funeral. It's... Uh... <laughs> brilliant this morning was Joe Root and how he just owned the game. He ran the game, he was pure quality and he just owned that space and just had it, all, all of this lot were just scratching their heads going, what do we do? Well, he's out now, he got 40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on. Well, it is LBO, the last back end's opinion. A bit to wrap up, Cutters, before we move into the third test and uh, it is worth stopping to remember the women have done exceptionally well they ended up wrapping up that first test we were worried they might have uh, been overcome by the English but no they held up strongly took out that test and have even won the first t20 which puts them only one win away from clinching the entire series gutters so they are doing exceptionally well the test match was won on the back of an incredible ash gardner performance she took Across the match, 12 for 165. 12 wicket haul, the greatest figures in women's cricket history. Ash Gardner, and she is an absolute star. We talked last week, Catters, about the terrible error by the promotions team to <laughs> call them the washers. We've now had Gardner do particularly well as a player, uh, not adding to the women's rights kind of angle we're, we're trying to move towards and not away from, Cutters, and of course, not helping with the trajectory we'd like to take the women's game, Cutters. Uh, thankfully, though, they have chosen, based mainly on the promotional challenges, not to play Melissa Laundry this match, though. So, unfortunate for her, but probably better for women's rights moving forward. Cutters, we should award our McDonald's voucher, a little pat on the back to someone who's done a really good job and it just feels remiss that we wouldn't give Ben Stokes the McDonald's voucher after playing one of the greatest test innings you will ever see with his incredible 155. He broke his own record for the most amount of sixes hit in a test innings of nine. He was absolutely unstoppable, not quite good enough to take out the man of the match on us cutters <laughs> and didn't the English fans who were already rioting absolutely love it when they declared <laughs> on the day that the man of the match honours goes to an Australian player Stephen Smith let's hear it for Stephen I went absolutely off their chops. It was great. And it was a nice touch lightning by the organisers to just have that little period where they're setting up the dais for the presentation, allowing the fans to just unscrew their plastic chairs in the stands <laughs> ahead of that announcement. <laughs> so we'll await to see whether Steve has avoided an injury as a result of the chair pileup. <laughs> 
Lightning, and I know this is breaking with tradition, a long-held tradition of two cricket-related podcasts, but I also just want to give a little encouragement to Mitchell Stark. Let's call it the KFC Award. It's, uh, you know, Mitch, grab yourself a zinger and a toilet for the 24-hour period thereafter. And just... Enjoy yourself because I think the catch that he took on day four was an absolute ripper. Mm. And I know that it was deemed not to be a catch by the powers that be, but just want to encourage Mitch and also remind our listeners that one of the fundamental phrases of cricket has been changed as a result. It's no longer catches win matches, but catches win the respective teammates, but are unlikely to hold up under close scrutiny. <laughs> And I'm sure after eating that greasy 20-piece feed, the bucket will come in handy, Cutters, which I'm sure is why it comes in said container. It's a different stool sample to what Stephen Smith had to negotiate, but uh, a stool sample nonetheless. (laughs) Cutters, we move towards test number three, and look, it is absolutely impossible possible to communicate the tension between these nations and this is no word of a lie both prime ministers have chimed in offering their totally ill-informed opinions around the last (laughs) test and every player is writing a piece in the papers and commenting and pulling out old material it is absolutely at fever pitch on the dawn of a third ashes test there's still three to go cutters world war three is on the cards well and truly lightning because you can throw Denmark into that mix. They're not immune to what's going on here. I'm pretty sure our Aussie Princess Mary even tried to mancat her mother-in-law, the Queen of Denmark, at the dinner table last night. So it's all on for young and old. No one is safe, lightning. And going into the next test, lightning, I expect fireworks. I think the only way we can up this is that Stokes and Cummins, the two captains, they should, instead of tossing the coin... They should challenge each other to a duel, and (laughs) heaven knows we can afford one of them to pass away pre-match. I mean, it's already on the cards, if you ask me, that Stokes is demoted. It's not a tough one. I wouldn't be surprised if you see white smoke coming from the Headingley Pavilion. A pope has been appointed. Move on. Long upheld traditions by the (laughs) English. And I do look forward to Mitchell Stark coming in off the long run uh, with a jousting stick. Too and uh, <laughs> skewering a couple of Englishmen. So. Duck this, Benny. <laughs> Cutters, we are likely to see some changes as we enter into this test. We, of course, need to replace Nathan Lyon. He's on the amputee list, so Toddy Murphy will step into the shoes. And Ollie Pope has actually he's been declared the next Pope and yet been ruled out of the series at the same time. So there's going to be changes on both sides, changes for the English team. My primary hope is that they change their whinging attitudes uh, before the next <laughs> test. So we'll see if that indeed happens. Alex Carey, I don't suppose he'll change his pre-game 10-pin bowling routine that he's been going through. Uh, that's been working well for him. So expect Vanilla Carey to keep that up. Uh, anything else you're expecting to see as we head into this test, Cutters? Yeah, well, Lightning, unless Moen Ali has magically spawned three new fingers, I doubt we'll be seeing him <laughs> grace the pitch next week. 
Unless he has learned to bowl with his other arm. So we'll see how it turns out for this match, Cutters. But in the meantime, you will hear from us, listeners, on the other side of test number three, if indeed we all survive this warfare that is likely to shake the globe, we will return to review and to anticipate the fourth test. So jump on our socials and come along for the ride, both on Instagram and Facebook with our handle, The Backhanders. But most importantly, cricket-loving friends, we would love you to think about those in your world who would appreciate not only the game of cricket, but the lighter side of the game and love the critique of this podcast. So please think about a friend and pass on the love of The Backhanders to them. That would be fantastic. But in the meantime, just remember to walk in with a bowler and if Australian, to walk out with security supervision.